We are looking today at the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Wonderful story. My name, by the way, is uh, Mike Mariner, one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to uh, give the message today. And in our story, there are three kinds of people. First, you have believers in Jesus. Uh, There are some people in the story who have already become convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. And they're followers of Jesus. Then there are some people in the story who are skeptics. They're unconvinced. Now, they're not opposed to Jesus. Uh, They don't have anything against Jesus. Uh, They kind of like Him to actually be the Messiah, but they are unconvinced. They need more evidence, more proof. And then there are some people in the story who are opponents of Jesus Christ. They are threatened by Jesus' claims. They don't want Jesus to be the Son of God because if He is, they're going to have to change the way they live and they are committed to the life that they are creating for themselves. Now, in a crowd this large, I suspect there are all those kinds of people right here. Uh, I suspect a lot of us our believers in Jesus, His followers. And so we're here today. We, we are excited about Easter. We want to enter in. We want the hope of the resurrection to be proclaimed clearly, relevantly, powerfully. There are undoubtedly people here who are skeptics. You're not opposed to Jesus. Frankly, you'd kind of like this resurrection, this eternal life thing to be real, but you need more proof before you're going to believe and put your pers- you know, faith in Jesus And then you're very possibly opponents of Christ here. You're here because that's what your family does on Easter. Or a friend invited you and you couldn't say no. But frankly, you don't want this Christianity thing to be true because if it is, you're going to have to make some serious adjustments to life with you as the leader. And that's a threat to you. Well, God has something for all of us today. He wants to move all of us, whether you're already a believer, whether you're a skeptic, or whether you're an opponent, he has something he wants to do in all of our hearts today, if we'll open ourselves up. So would you join me in praying, and uh, let's just, Lord, we lay our lives before you, Creator God, you who loved us enough to leave heaven in the person of Jesus Christ with all of its privileges, and you came and you lived amongst, amongst us in the broken world, and you allowed yourself to die so that we might live. And so we open ourselves up right now to hearing from you. Spirit of God, come and have your way with us. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to John chapter 11. This is the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament, one of the four Gospels. The 11th chapter of John. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. The key verses will be up here on the screen. This is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And the story begins in a town called Bethany, about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And there is a family that lives in Bethany that's very special to Jesus. Two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Now, when the story begins, Jesus is not in Bethany. He's across the Jordan River doing ministry. Lazarus gets sick, really sick, so sick that uh, the sisters are afraid he's going to die and they send word to Jesus. Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Subtext, 
please come quickly and heal Lazarus so that he doesn't die. Well, John, the gospel writer, tells us that Jesus purposely delays. Two full days after hearing Lazarus is sick, Jesus delays. And, and it, you got to wonder, why did Jesus delay? Does he not care about Lazarus and Mary and Martha? No, John actually goes out of his way to say Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were special to him. But Jesus delayed because he was going to do a miracle. He was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. And in order to do this miracle, he had to let Lazarus die. and He had to let Lazarus get good and dead. And so he delays two days. Well, two days after getting word that Lazarus is sick, Jesus tells his disciples, let's go back to Judea. That's the region in which Bethany lies. For Lazarus, our friend, is asleep and I want to go wake him up. His disciples are confused by this language. Jesus, if Lazarus is sleeping, he's going to wake up on his own. And the last time we were in Judea, they were, which wasn't very long ago, they were trying to, to stone you to death. That's a dangerous place. Why would we go back there? And so Jesus has to tell them, Lazarus is dead. I'm, using, I'm being euphemistic. And why would Jesus have described death as sleeping and resurrection as coming awake uh, most likely he has in mind uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, which an angel sent by God tells Daniel the prophet about a day that's coming in the last days at the, at the end of time in which God will raise the dead, some to eternal life and some to hell. Uh, and, and in that, the angel talks about it, those who are sleeping in the dust of the earth will awake. And so, most likely, Jesus has that in mind. See, Jesus understands that He is the one who, on that last day, will, in fact, execute the resurrection of the dead. He will bring back to life, awaken those who are asleep. It's also a testimony to the fact that humans are eternal. We are created in the image of God, and we are eternal beings. So, Jesus and His disciples head to Bethany. Mary gets, or Martha gets word that Jesus is on his way, and she leaves the house and goes to meet him. And so she encounters Jesus before he arrives to her, at her house, and here is what she says. We read about this in uh, John chapter 11, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Is that an accusation? Probably a little bit. I have to believe that from the moment Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, they'd been watching their clocks, right? Okay, how long is it going to take the messenger to get to Jesus? And if Jesus packs him in and immediately makes a beeline back here, he ought to be here. But he doesn't show. The minutes go by, the hours go by, the days go by. What do you think was happening in Mary and Martha's heart? As hours tick by and Lazarus dies and Jesus still hasn't come. Days go by, Jesus still hasn't come. Well, they don't begin to question his power, but they question his care. I have to believe that, that Martha 
wondered, maybe I'm not as important to Jesus as I thought I was. Maybe he doesn't care about me and my family like I thought he did. She doesn't have the big picture, right? She doesn't have the full story. And, and so often, people begin to doubt God's care for them because we don't have the big picture. We don't see what God is doing. But the Bible tells us all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And we waste so much time, so much emotional energy questioning God when He doesn't run our lives the way we think He should. But someday, and it's it might not be in this life. It might be only in the life to come. We'll see the great tapestry that God is weaving with our lives, and we will say, oh, he does care for me. He is good to me. And God has something very special in store for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But, you know, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Maybe that's an accusation, but it's certainly a statement of great faith. Jesus, you have the power to heal, and if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. Wow, she really believes that Jesus has the power to heal the sick. Great faith, but then listen to what she says. It gets even greater. Verse 22, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Even now with Lazarus in the grave, I believe that if you were to ask God that Lazarus would come back to life, he would come back to life. You have that kind of relationship with the Father Anything you ask him, he'll do for you. And God, we know, has the power to raise the dead. I think she's asking Jesus to bring her brother, brother back to life, to do a miracle. What faith. And we should marvel at Martha's faith. She has that faith even in her deep sorrow. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha thinks Jesus is giving her platitudes, blowing off her request by reminding her of that future day that Daniel talks about in which the righteous will rise to eternal life. Martha said to him, verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know about that. And I'm sure that that was comforting Martha, absolutely. The Bible says that we grieve but not as those without hope. But we do grieve because we grieve the loss now of those we love. And Martha didn't want to live the rest of her life without her brother Lazarus and his smile and his friendship and companionship. But let's not underestimate the great hope and the great comfort of the future resurrection. But Jesus wasn't actually putting Martha off at all. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection that the people of God hope for, I'm He. I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, today concludes a series we've been in called In His Own Words, six of the I am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. This is... I am the resurrection and life. If you've missed any of those earlier sermons, you can catch them online, clearwater.church. Uh, there are some great, powerful statements Jesus made about himself. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
Jesus is affirming Martha's belief in the future resurrection of the righteous to life everlasting. He's affirming that, but then he's expanding her knowledge. First off, he says, you know why Lazarus will rise again? Because Lazarus believed in me. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Number one, Lazarus is going to rise from the dead, not because he was a good Jew, but because he was a believer in Jesus, the son of the living God. And that's true for Martha, that's true for you, that's true for me. How do you get to heaven? Believe in the one that God sent, his son, the Messiah, the one the prophets foretold. Secondly, Jesus says, guess what? Uh, On the last day at that resurrection, guess who executes that great resurrection? I'm the one who's going to make that all happen. The Father has given me authority over life and death, and I can grant life to whomever I wish. And I'm the one who's going to bring Lazarus back from the dead someday. And that's an important thing to understand. Jesus is the one who will bring us back to life. And then finally, and this is found in the last part of the statement, Jesus says this, Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So Jesus is saying to Martha, guess what? Lazarus isn't actually dead. His body's in the grave, but Lazarus is alive. He is aware and he is in relationship with me even right now. And the Bible says this in many different ways. A very clear teaching of the New Testament. Think about uh, Jesus when he's hanging on the cross. And he's between two thieves. And one of the thieves repents and says, uh, Master, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He believes in Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? Today. Very truly, I tell you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Not in thousands of years on on the last day, but today. You see, we have a physical body, but we have a soul, and the soul lives. And so, uh, in 2 Corinthians, we're told that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul in Philippians says, you know what, I struggle with whether or not I want to basically die and be with Jesus now or stick around and keep serving you guys. Philippians chapter 1, 23 24, listen in. He says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And so, the hope of the resurrection, what we proclaim on Easter is, is not just there is coming a bodily resurrection of the dead for the follower of Jesus, but you actually don't die the body dies. So I just this week I met with a, a dear Christian woman whose body is dying. And she said, I don't fear death. I, I am afraid of, the, of what's the pain that's involved in the body dying. Yes, it's the final enemy. But I know, I know where I'm going. In fact, this, this woman said, I've, I've been meditating and ingesting and these truths for 30 years, and these truths have, are arming me for today. No doubt about it. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this, Jesus asks Martha. Do you believe this? 
Because if you believe this, it will alter the way you grieve death. It will alter your, your understanding of who you are and who I am and everything. It, it just alters everything. The hope of the resurrection, when you take it in, it absolutely changes everything in your life. I love Martha's response. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. She does not say, yes, Lord, I believe because what you are telling me conforms to my personal experience. It lines up with what I've already experienced, as if my experience is the arbiter of what is true or false. That's not what she says. She doesn't say, yes, Lord, I believe because that makes sense to me, because my reason is the final arbiter of what is true and what is false. No, she says, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Christ. That's another word for Messiah, the Son of God who's coming into the world. I have put my faith in you, and therefore I believe what you tell me. And that's where we have to go as Christians. We ultimately put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. And then and only then will we follow him even when his teachings rub us wrong. And they will rub us wrong because we live in a world that's zeitgeist is increasingly secular and out of step with biblical truth. New York Times just this week, just a couple days published ago, published an article from a guy named uh, Shalom with an A. And the whole article is about how we should give up God because God is just terrible and, and it's the God of the, the Bible that justifies wicked things like what's happening in Ukraine. And I mentioned that to Sabrina and she said, uh, yeah, but he also died for us. How is that an unloving God? Jesus then calls for Mary. Mary comes, says something very similar to her sister. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And she says this through a lot of tears. She's weeping. And Jesus is moved by her tears. Verse 33, we read, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. I much prefer the New Living Translation where it says, rather than what is here said deeply moved, it says he was angered, right? A deep anger welled up within him. And that's more accurate for, for the, the Greek word. The, the Greeks use this word to describe a, the snorting of a horse before battle. <clears throat> that horse is agitated, riled up, ready to do battle. And that's what John is saying is happening to Jesus when he is face to face with the destructive power of sin and death. God is not okay with the damage that sin does to the world and does to the people created in his image. And God, it riles God up. It angers him. And Jesus is going to act to address it, to defeat it. And that's what, that's what Easter's all about. God, who is not okay with the people created in his image, dying, said, I'm going to come out of heaven, and I will go to the cross, and I will take their sin upon myself, and I will burst forth from the grave, conquering the power of sin and death, so that the people I love can live forever. Do you feel the hope of Easter? 
This is not just some legend we tell ourselves. We live by this truth every day of our lives. And when we get to the end of our days, like our dear sister Karen, we say, these truths give me confidence and hope in the face of death itself. I'm not a pastor because I'm trying to be a nice guy and I think I'm going to promote morality in America. It's because people are dying in their sins and Jesus Christ has made a way of escape. Come on, church! Let's share this good news with the world. Stop being afraid. The world doesn't tell us what is right and wrong. God tells us what is right and wrong. The the world doesn't tell us when to be quiet and when to open our mouths, when it's acceptable to proclaim the truth. God does. And at the end of the day, it's not the world that's going to judge us. It's God who will judge us. There is a God. Even if the world won't talk about him in public, there is a God who created us. We, We live And we breathe because he allows us to. I didn't practice that. That just kind (laughs) of came out, huh? Praise the Lord. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Even though he knows in just a few minutes he's going to bring Lazarus out of the grave, he weeps because he enters into... The, the pain, our pain. This is God. This is his heart. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again. John is underscoring the emotion that is moving Jesus to, to act. Then Jesus moved, deeply moved again, snorting like that horse ready for battle. Came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord... By this time, there will be an odor. He's been dead four days. The rabbis in Jesus' day speculated that the soul could hover over the body for up to a maximum of three days. After that, no chance that you're going to live again. You're dead. You're totally dead. I think that's why Jesus remained in the grave three days, so nobody could postulate a he swooned theory. He was dead, and God brought him back to life. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone because Mary believed. I want to see a miracle. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. It has been said that if Jesus had not specified Lazarus, every dead body within earshot would have come forth. So great is the power of Christ over death. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the only actual mummy the world has ever seen. Lazarus, wrapped up in his grave clothes, and he, his feet are out, so he, he must have either hopped out of that grave or shuffled out, one of the two. Like. And Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Now, the, the body with which Lazarus comes back is still a corrupted body. It's still a perishable body, right? It's still a, a body subject to sin. It's going to die. That's why I've titled this message, The Man with Two Funerals. Lazarus died two times. And, and, and therefore, it's not the first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus 
was the first fruits of the resurrected body because Jesus came forth with a transformed body, an incorruptible body, right? An imperishable body. That's the kind of body he's going to raise us up from the dead, a body that won't experience pain or sickness or suffering or death again. Lazarus gets some more years of life. Now, what's the point of this? Why did Jesus bring Lazarus back from the dead? Only secondarily to give, La- to give Lazarus more time with his sisters. At best, that's a secondary purpose. No, the purpose is to demonstrate that Jesus Christ has authority over death. Now, he's been saying that in his ministry up until now, but did people really get it? Did they really believe him? So, if, for example, back in chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus, when he's teaching, says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. And in chapter 10, he says, Hey, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly, and I can pick it up again. Jesus has authority over life and death. He's been saying it, and now he proves it in technicolor. Now, you would think that every single person that witnessed this miracle would become a follower of Jesus Christ. Whoa! He has the power to give life to his followers? I want in! And he promises that to anyone who believes in him. I want in. I want in. And and, and we actually read many do, right? So... Uh, We read here in verse uh, 45, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So note this. Uh, The skeptics, the unconvinced, many of them who came from Jerusalem, they're, they're not opposed to Jesus, but they don't yet believe that he's the Messiah. When they see this miracle, they believe. They become his followers. And all of a sudden, their lives become animated with the, with the hope of resurrection. And I said, some of you might have come today, and that's where you are. You're skeptics. You're unconvinced. Guess what? Why does God preserve by his mighty power these stories in the Bible for us? So that we, as we read them or hear them preached, we too can become witnesses to these miracles. You have witnessed the raising of Lazarus today through the hearing of this preached word. And now you are capable and culpable. So will you believe? Will you allow the raising of Lazarus from the dead to be the evidence you need to follow Jesus, to become a believer in Jesus? And that could be your next step spiritually today. Now, what do you think happened in the hearts of Mary and Martha? They're believers, but do you think they're just the same kind of believer now that they've witnessed this? I don't think so. I think, they're, I think their understanding of Jesus has been blown open, and, and I think that they are less afraid of death than they'd ever been, right? Yeah, I believe in the resurrection of the last day, but now I've seen Jesus with whom I have a personal relationship and a friendship with, and he, 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 is, he just showed me what he could do, and he says, I'm going to do that for you too. I, don't think, I think they lost their fear of death. Not necessarily their fear of dying, but their fear of death. But you know what? There are people who came and witnessed that great miracle and remained opponents of Jesus Christ in their hearts. And that just shocks me. Verse 46, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Not trying to witness to the Pharisees, but tattletelling. 
because the, they were there on behalf of the religious leaders to get dirt on Jesus. They followed him everywhere trying to get some dirt on him. So the chief priests and the Pharisees, these are religious leaders in Israel, gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. They didn't doubt the veracity of the miracle. They were just afraid of its implications. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Do you see it? If we let Jesus be who he really is, we're going to lose our place. Life isn't going to be the way we want it to be. Because they had power, they had prestige. And if Jesus threatened that, if Jesus is who he says he is, if we allow Jesus to, to reign, the, the life that we are carving out for ourselves, the lives where we're in control, it's going to end. They don't care about God. They don't even care about eternal life, which I think is just so blinded. They value this life. They value themselves in control. And so what do they say? Not, we'll believe, we've got to kill this guy. And they do. Not that much later... Jesus is hanging on the cross because these religious leaders put him there. Of course, that was all part of God's plan, right? On the cross, the, the wrath of God for our sins was poured out on Jesus. And then he burst forth from the grave, victorious over all of his enemies, including death. So if you are a believer, you came in today, you're a believer. I, I hope that through the, this a message today. God has blown open your appreciation for Jesus, that your fear of death has just uh, evaporated, that you're, and you know what? It might be that you're a Christian and you, today you realize, you know what? It's, it is, life is all about Jesus. It's all about the mission of the church. It's all about the gospel. What am I doing? Wasting my time trying to build my kingdom on this, this, this earth it's going to last for such a short time, and the Lord is convicting you. You need to put Jesus back at the center of your life. You need to put him at the top of your priorities. You've let him slip, and, and let God do that work in your heart. But if you came here and you're an opponent, and right now you are scared, you're, you are unsettled by what you are hearing today, God is issuing you a warning. The warning is Jesus is not an option he is the only option God gives you to be forgiven of your sins, reconciled to him, and have life everlasting. And Jesus asks this question. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? That is a question he poses to you. Even if you could get everything this world offers you, is that worth your soul, your eternal life? No, it's not. There's the warning, but the offer is God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repent. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far, or for how long you have run from God. The moment you repent of your sins and you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Let's pray. God, we love your word. Lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We love Easter. We love Easter because of the hope that it proclaims, a hope that animates our lives. May we be courageous in proclaiming that hope to a world, to many of whom are dying. In Jesus' name.